Well, we've been in a little series in the book of Exodus, um, looking at the transitions they dealt with as a people. Uh, Moses, obviously their leader during this time, God ultimately their leader during this time, but they went through a lot, and they went through transitions where uh, they, they, they got it, and the other transitional times where they just, they, they didn't trust, and they thought, well, let's do it our way, and let's go back, and the list goes on and on and on. And the reason why we have been looking at this particular uh, book and, and this uh, group of people during this time is because obviously we are in the midst of a transition as a church, and uh, we're excited about it and excited where God is going to be leading us, but transitions are inevitable. Uh, not only are they necessary for every single one of you and for me, but they're beneficial. But that does not mean uh, they're, they're, not, they're not challenging, because they can be very challenging at times. Uh, to a place where we just want to give up, throw in the towel, uh, can maybe live hopeless. But we've been studying to look, how can we find God in the midst of every transition that we go through? All of us are in a season, and seasons change. And seasons change in our life quite often. Just the storyline alone of Moses is a flat-out miracle in and of itself. You know his story even from his birth when he was born to a Levite woman. Um, you know the decree that was sent out that, that all uh, Hebrew boys needed to be uh, killed and taken out. The, the young girls could live. Well, his mother about three months in realized, I cannot hide him any longer. Um, so I, could you imagine this moment, mothers, where he, she had to give him up during this time and literally put him in a papyrus box uh, that she had to, to put tar on uh, and, and so it would float and put him in the river and hope some loving family picked him up. Picture that. And it's what went on with Moses. And we know the story that Pharaoh's daughter ended up picking him up, and, and God was, was at work throughout all of this from his birth because God was shaping him and forming him to be a leader. And Moses' story is absolutely incredible. And if you read chapter 2, it's pretty incredible as well. He went from a baby to a grown-up in chapter 2. You can go read it today. And he goes into this stage where God begins to do some work in his heart and in his life. He went to a camp. And he saw a Hebrew man getting beat up by an Egyptian, and he was so infuriated by it. Moses had a little anger issue here and there. Uh, and he was so mad about it that he actually killed the Egyptian, and he buried him in the sand. Well, Pharaoh found out about it, and he said, we have to get rid of this Moses guy. And we know the story that he, that he took off and, and fled to Midian, and God once again was a part of, of, of Moses' steps day by day. And while he was there, we know part of the story with his life that he, that he found himself around a burning bush, and God met him for the very first time at the burning bush. We can see all of these transitions in Moses' life. God, he was at work, and he was at work in his life, and he had his encounter with God. And he says, hey, I want you to go to Pharaoh. And imagine Moses trembling in his voice, what in the I cannot go back to Pharaoh. First, he will kill me. Second, I, I don't even know what to say to him. He's not going to greet me and welcome me as I come back. And I, I can't talk very well. But God was, again, at work in Moses' life because he was shaping him to be, to be a leader. You can look back at your life and probably see the pivotal points where things happened. And I would consider where God did a work in your heart and in your life where he was shaping you to be who you are 
even today. Moses had his first sign from God. Remember, he said, what's that in your hand, Moses? And he said, what's well, a staff? And he said, well, throw it on the ground. So he does, he's obedient, throws it on the ground. It turns into a snake. And then he says, Moses, pick up the snake. How many of you would have said, all right, enough's enough, you know? Anybody? Like, I'm not picking up the snake. And he picks up the snake, and it turns back into a staff. And really, the story behind that is that the thing that Moses, that was his, he threw on the ground, that when he picked it up, it was now the staff of God. And God was going to begin to use that and use Moses to do something incredible uh, for the Israelite people during this time. And Moses obeyed. He used what he had, and God said, I'm going to bless it, and he surrendered it to him. My question for you today is if you ever, on a daily basis, found yourself surrendering who you are and what you have back to God, when's the last time that's happened for you? where you've surrendered who you are, God, my gifts, all the things I hold in my hand, I open it wide because I want to give it back to you and I want it to be used for your purposes. And it's what Moses did. Did he struggle along the way? He sure did. But God continued to use Moses all the way to the point where he used him to help get them out of Egyptian slavery. We're going to jump into Exodus 33 and 34. We're not going to read all of it, um, but we're going to read a a nice chunk of 33 today uh, and then go into 34 a little bit. And and there are so many truths with this next transition that they dealt with where God was amongst them. And it's in Exodus 33, 1 through 6. If you want to read along, you're welcome to. It says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, Depart, go up from here, you and your people, whom you have brought up from the land of Egypt, to the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying to your descendants, I will give it. He's on another journey that God has them on. He says, I will send you an angel before you and I will drive out the Canaanite, the Amorite, the Hittite, the Perizzite, and the Hivite, and the Jebusite. Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go up in your midst. Because you are an obstinate people. Some versions may say, you are a stiff-necked people. You're stubborn. I'm not going with you, God says. He says, and I might destroy you on the way. When the people heard this sad word, they went into mourning, and none of them put on his ornaments. For the Lord had used had said to Moses, say to the sons of Israel, you are an obstinate people. There it is again, you stiff-necked people. Should I go up in your midst for a moment? I would destroy you. A little bit of lingering frustration from the golden calf last week. He goes on, Now therefore put off your ornaments from you that I may know what I shall do with you. So the sons of Israel stripped themselves down of their ornaments from Mount Horeb onward. I want to jump down to verse 12 if you have your Bible open. Then Moses said to the people, See you say to me, Bring up this people. And what he's saying is, God, you told me that you were going to provide someone to go with me. Who is it? And he says it in the next verse. But you yourself have not let me know whom you will send with me. I know you're not going to go because if you do, you could wipe us out. So who are you sending? Moreover, you have said, I have known you by name and you have also found favor in my sight. And he says, now, therefore, I pray you, if you have found favor in your sight, let me know your ways 
that I may know you, so that I may find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. Moses, once again, interceding, not only on his behalf, but but the people's behalf. And he said, my presence shall go with you, and I will give you rest. And then he said to him, this is Moses, if your presence does not go with us, do not lead us up from here. For how then can it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? It is not by your going with us, so that we and I, your people, may be distinguished from all other people who are upon the face of the earth. Verse 17, we're done. The Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing of which you have spoken, for you have found favor in my sight, and I have known your name. Great story. A lot of stuff happening. I encourage you to go back and read chapter 33 and 34 on your own, possibly later today or this week. But there's still some things going on, some issues in the camp. You know, they're still frustrated. They're still living to a place where they're stiff-necked. They're wicked, God says. They're, They're prone to evil is what he's saying to Moses about these people. They love to complain. It is nothing like our culture today. Or is it? <laughs> I mean, stiff neck, prone to evil, just you name it, grumbling and complaining about everything. And as we go through life and as these people are going through this story, we see that change is often hard. We don't want to change. Even when it comes to spiritual issues, we, we like things the way they are. Don't take me to the edge and ask me, to, ask me to step out, you know. I'll show up to church. I'll hear a few good scriptures and sing, he is able. But God, when you call me to a higher standard of living, uh, I'm not sure I want that. I'm fine with the way things are today. I was reading a couple weeks ago and, and, and saw this little line that said, it talks about blessed are the flexible. Isn't that great? Like blessed are the flexible. Blessed are the ones that just, they're willing to, to bend and twist a little bit. They're willing to say, God, I'm, I'm, my hands are out and I am flexible in this journey. Maybe you're calling me to something, to something else, to something different. So my question for us today is, what can I do as a Christ follower in order to experience all of God, like to, to really know him, What are those things I can either remove from my life? What are those mindsets that I can remove that are keeping me frustrated and keeping me at arm's length from my God? Because the people that Moses is trying to lead, their arms are out on both sides, trying to keep their God at arm's length, saying, I'm not quite sure you are able yet. I'm going to handle things on my own. And we see very early in this passage, and it's one of the beauties of chapter 33 and 34, we see God's grace all over it once again. And the way that this happens is he gives them, again, a new start, a do-over. A, hey, let's start over again. They just went through the golden calf. God was angry. Moses was angry. Tablets were flying everywhere when they got thrown onto the ground. And now we see in chapter 33 and 34, something happened. And there's an opportunity for forgiveness. And there's an opportunity for restoration in Exodus 34. We serve a God, and somebody may need to know this today. It doesn't matter what you've done, where you've been, what you've thought. It doesn't matter if you've committed your life back to Christ 15 times and you've blown it 15 times. We serve a God that is always arms wide open. 
ready to welcome his children back into his arms. And many times on our journey, and it may be to a place where it's even daily, I would like to think, we're going to be confronted with new challenges. We're going to be confronted as a church with new understandings. And I think God is looking for a group of people that are, that are willing to change, willing to be used by him. And here's the thing, not only personally, he's looking for people that are willing to change, and that doesn't mean your location. That doesn't mean he's always going to pack you up and take you to another country. That doesn't mean he's going to make you quit your job and, and live on you know, rice and beans the rest of your, your life. But what often he calls us to change is this. He causes us to change our expectations. He often calls us to change our, our mindsets that are just, they're just not in the line with, with who he is and, and what he's about. He often calls us to, to change our, 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 our perspectives, that we go through journey, this journey and, and transitions in life and our perspective is skewed because we often want to do it the way the world says to do it and God's saying, well, I kind of want you to do it this way and we live in this tension so our perspective is, is bent towards doing it the way the world says to do it. But we see from Moses and this group of people, God once again gives them a fresh start and he says, Moses, I want you, I want you, get your saw out, and I want you to go cut the new tablets, and I want you to bring them to me on the mountain. We see a few weeks ago, God provided the first set of tablets, and now he's telling Moses, go bring us the second set of tablets. Why is this? I don't know that we fully know. There's a lot of speculation. Some would say, well, if, 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 Mo, if God was to provide the tablets and all the writing on them, that, that these people that are so used to worshiping uh, idols would go back to worshiping the tablets and they wouldn't worship God. That would be one option. Others would say, well, maybe, maybe because it's a new covenant that Moses has more uh, you know, priority in it. He's going to have more leadership in this new covenant, so he wants Moses to bring the second set of tablets. Others would say this. They would say, well, well Moses broke them, and it's like at a store. You ever saw a sign that said, you break it, you, you buy it? Yeah. So Moses, you broke them. Go fix it, you know? And others would say, well, it's just natural. I mean, he broke the things, and he wants God to, to continue to, to speak to these people. So it's only natural for Moses to bring the second set of tablets. So I love in verse 34, chapter, uh, chapter 34, verse 1, it says, The Lord said to Moses, Chisel out two stone tablets like the first ones, and I will write them, and I will write on them the words that were on the first tablets. And he could have ended there, and this is my favorite part of that old passage. He says, comma, which you broke. Let me remind you, Moses. By the way, like, I'm going to let you create another set of tablets. You broke them. So I think it's biblical. When somebody screws up or does something dumb, we can say, well, you did it. You know, that's what, that's what God did. I don't know. Don't do that. I'm just reading into that passage too much. But regardless, he's saying, I'm going to give you a fresh start. There's going to be a new chapter. God's grace says you get a redo. Incredible. And it goes on in verse chapter 34, verse 10 and 11. Then the Lord said, I am making a, new, uh, making a covenant with you before all your people. I will do wonders. Imagine the, the relief maybe on Moses for this one. Before all your people, I will do wonders never before done in any nation in all the world. The people you live among will see how awesome is the work that I, the Lord, will do for you. Obey what I command you today. 
Another break for this group. They get a do-over. I want to ask you a question this morning. Is there anything in your life, have you ever had a moment where you just wish you could have a do-over? Maybe you walked away from a conversation with your spouse or with somebody in the family or at work, and as you go into the next room from where they are not, you say, man, I wish I would have said that differently. I wish my tone wouldn't have been like that, and I wish I wouldn't have hurt them. It's just my lousy choice of words. Other times it can be on a grander scale, and it can be for an entire season of life you could go back and wish, man, I wish I could have a do-over there. Wish I could have a do-over with how I parented my kids and what I said to him or her as when they were in college. I don't know. Wish I could have a do-over with my former job or a do-over at the, the church I was a part of. Or We often would long to have a do-over many times in our life. And one of the things that our God offers us is we can't go back in the past and have a do-over. But in him, what he grants us, this beautiful picture of our God, he gives us a new start. And that every single day when you arise from your bed, you wake up, you can have a new start with your mind. You can have a new start with your heart. You can have a new start today with how you treat people or how you didn't treat you know, somebody back then. You can change all of that by how you act today. Imagine that no matter what came your way, whether it was, whether it was good or bad, whether it was in word or in, or in deed, that every day that you wouldn't hold on to anger from yesterday, bitterness from yesterday, a lousy decision from yesterday, but you would realize there's a God in heaven that actually says, man, I, I make all things new, and I want to give you a fresh start, and I want to make things new again. I'm so thankful for a God like that because I've blown it so many times. In Lamentations uh, 3, 22 and 23, this is the uh, American Standard Version. It says, the steadfast love of the Lord is just when you're good. No, it never ceases. It never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. So how's this work out? How do you get a new start? How do you, how do you get a redo, if you, if, you, if you want to call it that way? How in the world can we do this? And in chapter 34, we see God calling Moses to this, this newness this way. And he says, I want you to present yourself to me. Exodus 34, 1 and 2, the Lord said to Moses, chisel out two stone tablets like the first ones, and I will write on them the words that were on the first tablets, little knife, which you broke, by the way. Be ready in the morning, and then when come up on Mount Sinai, and there present yourself to me on top of the mountain. Years earlier, just, just prior, Moses was to take his staff and go up onto the mountain, and there he presented himself to God. And on this exact same mountain years later, Moses is to present himself to God. And we see with the whole staff story at that point that God wanted his obedience. And now we see this, this complete turn. And he says, Moses, I, I'm going from just obedience. I want all of you. I want you to yield everything about yourself to me. Present yourself to me. I ask you another question. 
When's the last time in your heart or with spoken word you, you said, God, I want to I present myself to God? God, today I present myself to you. Would you use me? Would you mold me? Would you shape me? Would you help me see what I cannot, cannot see so I can maximize who I am for you? When Moses was younger, we, we watched how that worked out at the burning bush. He, he told him to take his shoes off. He said, for you are standing uh, on holy ground. And Moses knew that, I mean, he had been a murderer. He had been reluctant to what God was calling him to do, to go back to Pharaoh. And he, he, just, he, did, he just kept doubting. I'm not sure I can be the guy, you know. And I wonder today, as Moses was called to this this higher standard of presenting and yielding himself back to God, that if in this room today, God's nudging one of you to present yourself to God in a higher standard. Maybe one easy one, and maybe it's not easy, but it's easy to say. You're just lacking trusting in God. You're just worrying about everything right now. What would it look in whatever that area is to present yourself back to God and say, God, you're in charge. I'm going to trust you in this moment. I believe that your ways are better than than any one of my ways. What would it look like for you to present yourself back to God? Maybe he's calling you to a higher level of service like he was with Moses. And he's nudging you that I have gifted you I have resourced you. I have blessed your socks off. And I'm calling you to a higher standard to use it. Use the gifts that I've given you. Use the resources that I've given you. Use the the, the spiritual gifts that I've given you for the church. Not just here, but throughout the world. I think that there's always a next level God's trying to get us to as we surrender more and more of ourselves back to him. 2 Timothy 2.15, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. A worker does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Maybe you've been so busy in your prayer life that it's just, it's absent. It's not even happening. What would it look like this week in that area alone? Don't, don't try to do everything else, just that area. If you were to say, God, I've blown it in this area. And I yield, I present myself back to you through prayer. Maybe you haven't picked this up and read it. The most incredible gift. We're on the other side of so much history where God begins to teach us and speak to us and mold us and shape us. The, most, the greatest gift ever known to man. God's word here in Jesus Christ. And yet we, we fail to pick it up and read it. What would it look like this week if you made a commitment? I'm going to get up before everybody else in the house this week. I haven't read it in a while. I'm not even sure it'll make sense. But I'm going to pick this up, and I'm going to present myself back to God. I'm going to read this thing. I'm going to ask him to speak to me. What would it look like for that to happen? What would it look like to present yourself to God if you're holding on to resentment and anger? Maybe it's a forgiveness issue right now or something back in the past, but it just keeps welling back up inside of you. What would it look like to say, God, I present myself back to you? And I believe God will meet you at that intersection. And he will speak to you and he will not be absent from you if you choose to present yourself in whatever area he's nudging you today back to him. 
that every single moment and every single morning is an opportunity to say, God, I present myself back to you. God, create in me a clean heart. I think it's Psalm 51.10. Create in me a clean heart, O God. And what? Renew a right spirit within me. God, if there is anything within me today that, that is just not of you, would you rid that from me? Create in me a clean heart, O God. I want to present myself back to you. I don't want all the stuff from yesterday, the anger, the bitterness, the damage from yesterday to affect this new day that you're about to give me. We serve a God that forgives, he loves, and he's a God of second chances. As we begin to present ourselves back to our Father, I think there's nothing more important for the church and for Christ followers to do than to begin to yield themselves back to and be a student of Jesus' teaching all throughout Scripture, because it's only then and only then that we will learn to, to trust in Him. We will learn to grow in Him, and, and we will begin to have a posture that we know what He did for us on the cross, that He, he came and, and He was willing to do that despite how messy we were and how sinful we were. Our posture should be, God, thank you. Our posture should be full of gratitude. Our posture should be, God, I want to worship you. And He calls us to a higher standard, and we need to read this, and we need to study his teachings. And I believe when we do that our reactions uh, to the winds of life that at times blow our way will be that of spiritual maturity and not that of uh, spiritual immaturity, which we watched the Israelites live during this time. When they faced the tough transition, I mean, spiritual immaturity just spewed out of them. Doubt and anger and, and mistrust and, 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 and literally hurting each other, going against what God had called them to do. And as you hit transitions in life, and when they get tough, if you're not grounded in this, you'll be like Psalm 1 that I shared at the very end of the uh, service last week. You'll be like chafe that just, that just blows in the wind. And you'll be knocked off center by a phone call or some bad news that comes your way, we need to be grounded in this. And Moses was being called to this, to this higher standard. But at the same time, we need to know today we are called to a higher standard. And when we blow it, it's not a matter of if, but when, because you will and I will. In that moment, know we have a God that's arms wide open waiting for you. And I believe that when we begin to truly present ourselves back to him, that slowly and surely our, we will be rid of anger and rage and hostility, negativity, mistrust, all the things that the Israelites were dealing with during this time, fear. When we present ourselves to God, we will see those begin to evaporate from our lives. And I've watched so many well-meaning Christians show up every week in church, have been at church for just years, maybe decades, generations, and yet they still live in fear and anger and resentment and unforgiveness, and they carry this stuff with them. I can't encourage you enough today. Let's be a people, let's be families within this church that, that not just when we think about it, but it's, it's a discipline that we present ourselves back to God. And follow Jesus' teachings. We see in this story as well this, this idea of Moses being told by God in Exodus 33, 5, and 6. Hey, take your ornaments off. 
And what is, what is he saying about this? What are the ornaments? He's saying all the things that make you, you. I want you to take them off. I want you to, to, to strip down. I want it to just only be you, and then I want you to present yourself back to me. I want it to be the bare you, not the persona, not the thing that you want everybody to think that you are. I want you to take off the ornaments and lay them down at your feet. Because when I get the real you, I can begin to do a work in your life. And when we do this, and some of you have done it, and you know others that have, that are just willing to be real, willing to be stripped down, willing to be in a place where you're just bare before a holy God, that every single time that you do that, in any area of life, he shows up, and he always does something in your heart. Something happens to us when we embrace a loving God. The thing that happened to Moses was, he, was a changed life. He came down in Exodus 34, I think it's verse 29, and it says in that passage that his face was glowing because he had just been in the, in the presence of God. Exodus 34, 29, when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the covenant of the law in his hands, he was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. He was in God's presence. Have you ever seen like somebody's face glow? Maybe a, a child at Christmas when they open gifts and they're like, I can't believe it. They got this, you know, whatever the gift is. Uh, maybe when, when, when somebody just like wins a championship and you hear them doing the, uh, the interview after the game, just glowing during that moment. Some of you have experienced it yourself and watched it with others that when somebody experiences something new in Christ or comes to Christ, there's just a glow, a radiant glow on their face. Why? Because something happens every time a human soul embraces the love of Christ. Something happens when we embrace a loving God. What happens is we begin to empty ourselves of, of fear and anger and revenge and hatred and envy and pride, and we embrace a loving God. Maybe today, some of you are in need of that transition from bitterness and anger and fear. And today's the day where you present yourself back to God and say, God, I want to I embrace the love that you have for me. I want to embrace your son that you were willing to send to the cross and die for me. God, I want to present myself back to you. I want to close today with, with I think, one of the most important little chunks in this chapter 33 and chapter 34. Um, but we see God initially to tell Moses to, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send someone else to travel with you. We see God at work in the midst of that. And he says, because if I go with you, I'm going to destroy you. So we see this moment here where, where God is giving them provision. Even in that way, we think, wow, that's terrible. God's going to destroy his people. Uh, but God is, is beginning to, to be the righteous judge with them. We see throughout the stories of the Old Testament that God is always making a way for his people. That's what I told you a few weeks ago and maybe last week, that this entire book is all about God making a way for his people, God making a way for you in the midst of our messiness, in the midst of our sin. And he gives us exactly what we need, not always what we want, but at exactly what we need at exactly the right time. 3,500 years ago, this group of people in this Exodus story, what they needed, 2,000 years ago when Jesus walked this earth, what the people needed then, and now in 2017 today, what the people need today 
is a God that loves us how we are and where we are. And he's never changed in that way. And God's love will never change in that way. And I've heard this story in Exodus probably a thousand times. This might be a stretch, but it seems like over and over and over again. But I want to share this passage with you. It's a statement that I want us to cling to. It's a statement that I want to proclaim uh, to, uh, to, to our God. It's a statement that I want you to proclaim to our God personally. It's a statement I proclaim on behalf of this church. And it's in Exodus 33, verse 15. And I, I pray that this would be a part of every transition you ever deal with in your life. Moses says this, If your presence does not go with us, do not lead us up from here. Let me read it again. You've heard it already. If your presence does not go with us, do not lead us up from here. If it's not about him, then who's it about? Even even with this church, if if our lives are not about him, then, then who is it about? If this church is not about him, then who is it about? God, if your presence does not go with us, don't lead us up from here. Keep us here until we, until we figure that out. In every ministry of CCC, God, if your presence does not go with us, God, do not lead us up from here. It's God's presence that, that is really the defining factor in all of this. His presence gives us power. His presence gives us purpose. His presence gives us hope. It's why the old song uh, that, that it's better one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. Because the people back then were willing to travel the courts. I may not even get to see God. I may be uh, just 10 football fields away from God. But I would rather be in his courts and, and just experience a little bit of his presence than be anywhere else in the world. And I'm here to tell you that there's no better place for you to be than in the presence of God. And I, I, I even share this more broadly, that, that, that the love that Jesus was willing to come down and show for us, it's what we embrace and what we're all about at CCC. Because of God's presence, because of his son Jesus Christ, it's why we serve, it's why we give, it's why we continue to go, it's why we continue to gather in groups, it's why we continue every Sunday to keep turning on the lights at 9 and 11 and having church and celebrating together. Because we are in awe of what our God has done for us. And my prayer is that we would today, in whatever way God's calling you to do it, that you would present yourself back to him and that you would embrace him. And as you hit the transitions of life, I hope this series sticks with you forever. And you would spew out this, that God, I'm in the midst of a transition. If your presence does not go with me, don't lead me up from here. Let me pray. God, thank you that you still extend your presence, your Holy Spirit to us, a people that throughout generations have rebelled, a people throughout generations who have taken another path. After all you have done for us, a people that can still say, well, I'm not sure I can trust him. God, more than word, I pray that as a community here at CCC, we would model through our actions and our behavior and how we handle and carry ourselves that we would show people through that the love of Christ. Father, we're going to hit transitions. 
Some of them we're going to love. Other transitions where we're going to step back and scratch our head. And other transitions where we're just flat out frustrated. And we don't know where you are. God, I pray in that moment that we would lock in on you and that we would trust you in the process and on this journey of life. It'll be the most fulfilling, most joy-filled journey we've ever experienced when we do it your way. We pray this all in your name. Amen.